Hey there, friend. It is Talia. Thank you for joining me again in the Fertility Underground. I am going to talk today about something else that I read on Reddit. Um, I recently did my first podcast on how I want to hop into Reddit forums and just answer literally any question I can, give clarity, anything I can do to just bring some some semblance of truth and support and uh, clarity and focus and anything I can because it's just navigating this world of infertility is a unique experience. And I, I just want to be the voice of reason and light and, um, and knowledge and whatever I need to be during this process. So we don't know what we're going to call it. Reddit rants, Talia reads Reddit. I have no clue, but Yesterday I was scrolling in there and I saw a post by a woman and I believe she was kind of responding to somebody else, but she was just saying how she's like, just nonchalantly, yeah, my, you know, my FSH is high. And so, you know, my doctor put me on some estrogen and if it, if it comes down, we're going to get ready for IVF. And it was just like, ah, this drives me insane. Of course, not the woman who posted this but this doctor and what they are doing. So let's talk a little bit about what the hell is going on with this. This is not uncommon. And basically, let me just start by saying, if you have an elevated FSH and your doctor is telling you that they want to use estrogen or birth control or something like that to bring it down to either help them determine whether you're a candidate for IVF or before you can start IVF or whatever crazy ass crap that they say to you, please, please, please do not do that. And please, please, please go somewhere else. Um, there are going to be plenty of doctors that don't do this. This is, I think, a really big red flag for doctors. But let's talk a little bit about why we would never want to do this um, back it up about what FSH is, what it's telling us, and all these kinds of things. So now, depending on where you're at in your fertility journey, I find that FSH is a, is a confusing topic for some people. Um, so it stands for follicle-stimulating hormone. Some people know it, think more of it as kind of stims. Um, if they're doing stimulations for an egg retrieval for IVF or for IUI, uh, or for egg freezing or, or whatever we're doing here. But so follicle stimulating hormone is, is a hormone that your brain naturally produces um, in the menstrual cycle. So basically you have your period, first day of your period is day one of your cycle, and um, you start to get increased amounts of follicle stimulating hormone that comes down and that basically stimulates the follicles. So now remember, these are follicles or eggs that are developing in the ovary that have been developing for a very, very, very long time. In fact, I used to tell people it was about, you know, 90 to 120 days, but in truth, actually these follicles, I call it come off the bench. So basically they are, they are pulled off the bench of your resting follicles, your follicle pool in your ovary, uh, even as much as 300 days earlier. When they first start growing, they're actually very insensitive to follicle-stimulating hormone. And then as you get further and further and further along and closer and closer and closer um, to ovulation or when they're actually getting bigger and bigger, they then become more and more sensitive to follicle-stimulating hormone. 
And that is why if you are going through stimulations where they want, you know, normally what would happen is follicle stimulating hormone is increasing, increasing, increasing. And what happens is at first, several of these follicles are sensitive to it. And then what happens is the body like naturally chooses that lead follicle, the the big dominant follicle. And ultimately it becomes the one that's the sensitive one to FSH. And then these other ones fall back. So in a normal cycle, you, you really only normally ovulate one egg, right? So that follicle stimulating hormone brings, you know, kind of calls more of these follicles to develop. And then naturally one gets selected to be the dominant follicle. And that's the one that will eventually ovulate. Now, if you're doing a stimulated cycle in preparation for egg retrieval, you are injecting follicle stimulating hormone like gonal F or uh, folistim, and you're kind of hijacking this process. And instead of the body naturally selecting one dominant follicle, you hijack the process and you um, bring a bunch, as many follicles as you can forward to, to become, basically you get like as many dominant follicles as you can. And then you do your retrieval. So follicle stimulating hormone though is something that we often will have checked with part of your cycle day three labs because it can give you an idea of ovarian reserve. Now I'm not going to go into a huge you know, rant about ovarian reserve because, oh my God, my heart, I am so passionate about ovarian reserve and how you actually look at it appropriately, how you interpret what your results are, how you um, look at those in an age specific level, because that's very, very important. We can't have these just like universal cutoffs because if I look at somebody's numbers from a 25 year old versus a 42 year old, and I try to use universal cutoffs, I'm going to miss a massive amount of information on that younger person. Um, And in fact, I believe that there are a lot of women who have low, low ovarian reserve for their age, and that's contributing to their unexplained infertility, their um, poor response to IVF, all these different things, because their doctor doesn't know how to interpret that. But we'll talk more about that another time. Let me know if you're interested in that. Um, But one of the things we look at is FSH. Now, FSH levels um, very early in your cycle should be on the lower side. Now, I'm not going to go through all the numbers because they're very specific numbers. And again, they are based on your age. Because as you get older, that pool of follicles in your ovaries that you're kind of constantly drawing from, we do know that that decreases. Now, Most likely, I believe there's probably a little bit of regeneration. Most people don't say that, but there probably is a little bit, but it doesn't really make up for how many we're constantly losing, either by the fact that they naturally are actually um, die off, or I know that sounds horrible, but I'm going to use that word, or the ones that are getting pulled off the bench each month, but basically that pool is decreasing. And as it continues to decrease, 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 the brain starts working harder to get those follicles to respond. And so what happens over time is that follicle stimulating hormone is going to go up. And we will see that typically as ovarian reserve starts to go down. Now, I don't, like I said, this is a very complex subject because when we're talking about ovarian reserve, we're typically talking about what we would call your functional ovarian reserve. It's truly all we can measure. Those are the the follicles that have been brought off the bench. They're 
pulled out of that pool and they are now starting their process to potentially be part of the pool that will respond to FSH that could potentially be part of the pool that will ultimately develop your dominant follicle that you ovulate or part of the pool that will be responding to stims in a stim cycle. As FSH levels increase, um, that may be a reflection of this functional ovarian re reserve. It is an indicator of a problem. It is not the problem itself. So if you have been told that your FSH levels are high, that they're premenopausal or anything like that, that is giving us insight into what is happening in your functional ovarian reserve, okay? The coolest part about that is that functional reserve can change, okay? And depending on where you're at, if you're... As you get older, we naturally start to see that number increase. It's just going to happen. For some women, it's more than others. So if you are 42 and your FSH level is starting to get higher, like we naturally see that happening. If you are you know, in your 20s and early 30s and your FSH is going higher, that is a big red flag that you're having what I would call premature ovarian aging, what other people may call diminished ovarian reserve. They call it premature um, menopause, whatever words they like to call. I feel like those are all um, very confusing words and panic words. In my opinion, it's saying, okay, we have a problem. We are either losing these, these, this pool of follicles that we're pulling, pulling from, and that's something's compromising those. Or we're not being good at pulling them off the bench to enter this functional pool of follicles, or we're losing them way too quickly along the way. So to me, that's a big red flag of something that's going on um, it, earlier in the process. But what I want to point out to you here is the FSH is just telling us that we're having problems at the level of the ovary. The problem is not the FSH itself. Now, people will say, okay, well, if you have a high FSH, then you're probably going to be less likely, you're not going to respond as well to ovarian stimulation. You may have poor outcomes for IVF. And that may all be true, but that's because, not because the FSH itself, but because what it's representing, which is that we have problems going on that need to be addressed at, in the ovary. So if you, if your doctor wants to lower your FSH levels, which I could pretty much have anybody do. If I, if you have high FSH levels and I give you estrogen or I, have, I give you the birth control, which has estrogen in it, it's going to drop your FSH. This actually naturally happens in your cycle. So as that, as your follicles are growing and developing, they naturally make more and more and more estrogen. And that is a what we call a feedback pathway where it will naturally drop FSH. We want that to happen because at this point, you're already getting ready to ovulate. Now we don't need to keep stimulating the ovaries anymore. Now it's time to have your LH surge. And then after you ovulate, you get you know a rise in progesterone and all these other things happen. It's a natural process that happens in the body. As estrogen levels rise, they will naturally go back and lower FSH. That's normal process. If I come in or your doctor comes in and gives you estrogen, it's going to lower your FSH. But is that actually doing anything for what's really going on, the issues that need to be addressed, the roadblocks that are happening at the level of the ovary? No. And if you have somebody, let's say you are really having an issue here with premature ovarian aging, you truly have low ovarian reserve, 
whether that's from normal aging or from another issue like endometriosis or, um, you know, toxins or, I mean, it's a billion things that could be causing that, then we're not doing you any favors by delaying and waiting month after month after month by giving you estrogen just to falsely lower this FSH. It's absolutely ridiculous. That'd be like if you have you know, you have a gas tank in your car and you have a fuel light indicator and the fuel light goes on when you have less than like 30 or 40 miles left in of gas in your car. That'd be like being like, oh, I'm just going to put a happy face sticker over it and ignoring it. No, your FSH, FSH level is an indicator light. There are other issues with FSH. FSH levels can vary a lot. They can be impacted by a lot of different things. Um, and so that's why you don't want to use FSH, by the way, alone. I do think FSH is valuable, but I like to use it in combination with AMH and some other things. And it also, like I said, needs to be interpreted based on your age. What's, what is an expected level based on your age? Because if we use those universal cutoffs, I, we are going to miss young women who have issues with the quality and quantity of their eggs we're just going to say that they have normal ovarian reserve, they have normal egg quality, egg quantity, and then we're going to miss the fact that that's actually contributing to unexplained infertility. So if your doctor wants to give you medicine to lower your FSH, you need to peace out. If you want to confront them about it, that's fine. I am a bit confrontational. Uh, <laughs> we all have different personalities. You may not be comfortable with that. That's fine. But that is a big, big no, 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 no. The other thing that I saw the other day that was kind of bothersome to me is I saw a um, clinic that basically listed out different FSH levels not based on age and basically interpreted them and said, oh, if you have an FSH from this to this, then you have a good outcome. You'll likely have a good outcome if it's this to this. You're, you may not respond as well. And if it's this to this level, then you're a no-go at our clinic. Basically, they say, if you are, your FSH is this to this, we're not going to work with you. And, you know, I, I guess at some level I respect them because I guess that's what they want to, they believe, and at least they're not playing games. But I think that's really frustrating because that just goes to show, yes, your outcomes are going to be a lot, could potentially be a lot poorer and you may not have the response to stims and all these different things, but that may be because something is happening at the ovary that we can actually work on and reverse or at least minimize. And you may notice a tremendous improvement in your functional ovarian reserve, specifically at lower ages. Now that you can have improvement in any age, but specifically in lower ages, if we really figure out what's happening to compromise that, instead of just saying, no, your FSH is too high, I'm not gonna work with you. And the reason they do that is because it skews their statistics. I mean, it is what it is. I have my opinions about that, but I love, 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 love working with women who other clinics basically give the middle finger to. I love it because they're, it's just so rewarding to me um, to help women find success and improve their fertility when everyone else said it wasn't going to happen. So I digress. But anyway, this is all about this idea of Poor women, you know, not knowing this and their doctors doing this, like do not take estrogen to falsely lower your FSH. And on the same token, if you, you always want to look at your estradiol levels on a cycle day two or three FSH, because if those estrogen levels are elevated, that will falsely lower your FSH. 
may give you false information. Some people say, you know, false hope, but I just think false information because, you know, it is what it is. To me, it's 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 a clue and it gives me direction on where to focus our efforts. So if when your doctor checks your cycle day two or three labs and they're looking at FSH, you always, always, always want to make sure your estrogen is checked as well. Because if that is too high, that will, like we said, go back and to the brain in that negative feedback loop, say, stop making as much FSH and it'll falsely lower your FSH. So I hope this was helpful to you. Um, let me know if, if you've been through this. Has your doctor ever told you this before? Did they tell you recently? Did you know this information? Anything you could think of, let me know. If you have any questions, any topics you would like me to tackle, please let me know. You can Email me at Talia at TaliaLabor.com. You can leave me a voice message on Anchor under the Fertility Underground podcast. Um, you can, I don't, you know, send me a carrier pigeon. Uh, it may take longer, but I will do it. Anything that you want me to tackle. If you have the question, I'm sure there are many, many other women that have the same question. So if you found this to be helpful, or if you think that anybody would benefit from this, please let me know, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your fellow women, and I will be coming on here regularly to help guide you through this process. And if anything that I've covered doesn't make sense, or you want more clarity, please let me know that as well. But thank you for spending your time with me. I know that time is pretty much the most valuable asset you have. And my goal is to, to really save you time, save you time on this process. So I hope that your time here is time well spent. And I appreciate you every single second of every day. And I'm so blessed and honored to do what I do. And I look forward to our next chat.